Um, so for anyone who, uh, I gave this talk at, a, at the servants meeting like three times ago. So if you didn't attend the servants meeting, then, uh, then this will be new. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Um, so I'm going to speak a little bit about exorcism. Uh, uh, exorcism rites in the context of uh, what we call initiation rites. Like whenever someone um, is coming to the church or, or learning about the faith, then uh, the, probably the most, um, the most involved practice of exorcism is in those rites, the initiation rites, baptism basically. And so if we, if we kind of do a deep dive into that, then we'll kind of have an understanding of what, um, how we understand exorcism, how we understand the, like the involvement of evil in, the life, in our lives. So an exorcism requires, of course, that a demon or evil spirit be present in order to be cast out. And so an exorcism can take place. But we can see that an exorcism um, is much more than just a person being possessed with a demon, like we might see in, uh, like in movies and stuff, where there's like a, uh, an actual possession of the body. But exorcism in the, eyes of, in, in the context of the church rites is more than just that. We can look, I want to refer, reference different um, parts of the scripture in which we can see what what does it mean that there be an evil spirit? And what do they do? One example is that in the Gospel of St. Luke in chapter 13, there was uh, Christ had healed a woman on the Sabbath, and she had a bent back for 18 years. And so he said to her, you are loosed from your infirmity, so ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? So the, they were questioning, like, why should, you know, like, what to do with her? Or like, why is there an issue? She just has a bent back. But he says, don't you think that she, she deserves, because in this case of her bent back, it's not, it's not about uh, a, a phys, just a physical issue, but that it is, this one is partic in particular is bound by Satan. And so um, it can be that an evil spirit causes an infirmity. Um, in the Gospel of Mark, we read, He cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. So um, it could have been those who had diseases were from Satan's influence, um, and again, not necessarily a possession. Uh, then there's another reference in the Gospel of Luke. Ha, what, how, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Be quiet, come out of him. Then the, then the demon threw the man down in front of them and came out of him without doing him any harm. So this is an example of possession because the demon spoke from the body of the person that was possessed. And we know that this happened on, on multiple occasion, occasions in the Scripture. Um... Another reference, when the, the man who was mute says, uh, they brought to him a man mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke. So another example of an infirmity without full control of uh, the body or possession of the person. Uh, in the epistle to St. Timothy, now the Spirit expressly says 
that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So, um, so he's speaking about the role of evil spirits associating with um, wrong teachings or, or wrong doctrine. Another example of, of demon, demon um, presence or, or demonic presence because of uh, pride or envy. In the, in the epistle of St. James, we read, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. So again, the presence of evil spirits doesn't have to be about a physical uh, possession, but it can be uh, um, a, an, a, a demonic influence. In the, gospel, in the book of Acts, we read, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So we start uh, seeing the power of Satan of those in those who um, insist on a truth that is not Jesus Christ. So demonic influence can be simply even in the rejection of Jesus Christ. So um, we, that's kind of a, like a quick overview of what, is, what are the different uh, ways in which and how the church understands the need for exorcism and demonic uh, influence on humanity. With that said, all, all Orthodox Christians or Apostolic Christians go through an exorcism. And when did we say they go through the, the main exorcism? Baptism. And so this is the type of uh, exorcism I want to focus on because, again, it's the most common type of exorcism and it's necessary for the life of repentance, for the renewal of souls. But we'll also briefly mention other times in which we find uh, like minor exorcisms in the church. Um, when we think of baptism, uh, we think of the Holy Spirit granting the grace of sanctification, the grace of renewal um, on the baptizee, and that it is by this water, and, uh, but actually, and that as if the grace comes in this moment. But actually, if we look, if we look at the practices of the Orthodox, of the Apostolic faith, we'll find that the Holy Spirit doesn't work in moments. The Holy Spirit works in a process, works gradually with, the, with individuals. So, for example, let's say someone is seeking to be baptized. Then their baptism isn't that they receive a grace of the Holy Spirit at the moment of baptism, but actually the, the, the moment of grace started when the person had even a desire to understand the truth. 
That is when the Holy Spirit begins working, even before what we have kind of uh, labeled as the sacraments. And so this is, what, this, this is probably really where the first type of sacrament happens, is in the exorcism. Historically, catechism, for a long period of time, used to be, uh, used to be during the time of Lent. And we, we read in the 4th century, St. Cyril, uh, we read from his, uh, from his manuscripts, and he says, During the 40 days period, exorcisms were performed. Cyril urges the candidates to be regular in attendance at the catechizing and to receive with earnestness the exorcisms. The exorcisms were done individually and preceded the catechetical lectures on the day when they were given without exorcisms on the day they were given. Without exorcisms, Cyril says the soul cannot be purified, and he attributes the breathing of the exorcist, the power by the Holy Spirit to consume the demon. He elsewhere mentions the breathing upon by the saints and invocation of God by prayer as the means of driving out evil spirits. So you'll notice what's the difference between practices of the early church and now. When do we do the exorcisms for baptism? Do you know? When, we, when do we do the, actu the actual exorcism? If, if, with a mom and dad, if it's an infant, okay? When you pray on the water, so basically the same day as the baptism. But actually the, 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 the original practice was that the person would come and attend the catechal, catechetical lectures or the catechism and then before they even start the catechism, the, the, the bishop or the presiding priest or the bishop would, uh, would do the exorcism rites that we do on the baptism day during the catechism period, even before they're baptized, like, or even before they have even officially said, I will be, like, I'm, I'm pursuing the baptism period, the, the baptism. So, um, so it was part of the idea that Exorcism is, is necessary to purify the mind, the soul, and the body to receive the Holy Spirit. This is why we even have the principle of exorcisms in the, in the rite of baptism. Um, <clears throat> in the uh, apostolic tradition of Hippolytus, uh, this is from the second century, we read, Moreover, from the day that they are chosen, let a hand be laid on them and let them be exercised daily. So it was daily. And when the day draws near on which they are to be baptized, let the bishop exercise each one of them that they may be certain that he is purified. So, uh, so again, during the 40-day period, um, assuming that that was the only part of the catechism that they, that they have, they tended to meet a lot more regularly, usually every day. And so, again, there would be this exorcism along with the catechism. And even though, like, we notice that these rites are written in, this, in, like, 215, and always when we find manuscripts that are documented and they describe a practice that they've been doing, you find that these practices have been going on for, for decades before it's actually written down. Um, so we know that the practice of exorcism dates even to, um, 
even the very, the very first century, and we'll find even with a reference from Justin Martyr, who comes in the picture in the early second, 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 second century. Um, he says, um, I'll go to that reference, which he says, uh, he references Isaiah when he speaks about exorcism and baptism. He says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. So this is, this is the reference from Justin Martyr in 1st, 2nd century of this, ne this necessity to uh, rebuke the oppressor, to, to, to cease to do evil, to cast out evil, and to, to make one clean. So what are these evil spirits um, that we're seeking to exercise? First is to remove evil from, uh, we have the, as um, Henny was saying, the, the liturgy of the water or the prayer over the water in which we're praying to, for evil spirits to be re removed from even the water. And we find always in, in the apostolic tradition that we find that not just humanity can be holy, but even material things. Just as we, like, for example, we kiss the cross and the gospel. Uh, because God, Christ, he, uh, he told even areas. So Moses, when, he, when God told him to remove his sandal, he said, you are standing on holy ground. So he removes his sandal because, and, and you'll notice that when we pray the liturgy and when you come take communion, we remove our shoes. If we were to pray in the on the baptismal font in the back and we were to put myrun oil in the baptismal font at that point because it's a sacramental oil, so we remove our shoes even around the font. And we know that material things can be holy because in the book of, in the book of Acts, even the, the apostles, when they used to go and preach to the people, they used to take their handkerchiefs and their aprons and they used to take material things from the disciples and it used to heal people. As we know that the, 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 the handkerchiefs of St. Peter and St. Paul that were used to heal, uh, to heal the sick. We say in, on the waters, we say, Grant unto this water that there remain not in it, nor descend into it. With him that shall be baptized therein, any evil spirit, or any unclean spirit, or any spirit of the day, or any spirit of the noonday, or any spirit of the evening, or any spirit of the night, or any spirit of the air, or any spirit of the deep, or any of the diabolical spirits which are beneath the earth, but rebuke them with your power which is mighty." So, um, so even with material things, we pray on them. You'll notice in the liturgy, in the Thanksgiving prayer, we say, um, and, take, and, uh, and take your Holy Spirit away from us and from all your people and from what? What else? Uh, take, take them away from us, from all your people, and from this holy place. And we say from this priestly table, Right? We, and and if, if we were in a wedding, we would say, and from this betrothed couple, or from this married couple, or from, if we're doing a house blessing, and from this house, and from this water. So even in the Thanksgiving prayer, there's, there is a minor exorcism that is happening. 
Um, and then we pray to remove from the catechumen all traces of evil. We mentioned earlier uh, it can be any passion or any sin. We read, we pray, if there be any guile of the devil hidden within them, disclose it and let it reveal itself and chase it away from the souls and bodies of your servants who believe on your holy name and give them the newness of life. One of the, one of the things, though, that like, sometimes we can, we can soak this in when we're talking about an adult baptism. But for some reason, when we have an infant baptism, we don't like these prayers. Because people are like, but this, it's an infant. Fine, call me evil. Say I've done evil things. But what about the infant? But um, if we look at exorcism in an extreme form, the way we see them like in movies and stuff, then yeah, we would say like, we wouldn't have said that by the will, by the will of the infant that they have committed um, any sin. But evil is not about um, being uh, in, the per in the person at all times. It can be attacks, right? The, the Satan can attack um, uh, anyone. And it's not just about the infant, but the sponsor. So the parents, the prayers are also for the, for the child, but the parents take the prayers on behalf of the infant. The infant. Um, so the 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 way we understand <clears throat> the uh, the exorcism of an infant, yes. He uses he used material things as we know to to do perform blessings. The blessing he uses the people, his servants. Um, he blesses them, and then by their blessing they can they can heal even the material things. So like like for example when um, like when they used to cast out demons, they had to say in the name of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, they couldn't cast out any demons. So the blessing can come. Through the, through the material substance. But we all have, like, um, even, even anyone who isn't um, comfortable even with the idea that, that, a, that an object can, can have a blessing or can heal or, or perform miracles, is that every human ha can have sentiments, right? Every human might have, like, a possession uh, in their house belong to you know, a great-grandparent or someone very special to them. And that has a significance to them. And even, like, we don't realize, maybe, it, maybe we don't see it as that object is healing, um, is, is performing a physical healing, but sometimes that object can give comfort to someone, right? The remembrance, right? Even Christ, when he spoke, he said, and I will bring to your remembrance all things that I have said unto you. So even as believe, even as Christians, we sometimes forget about God's presence in our lives. And so he gives us the Holy Spirit and he gives us things in order to remember 
him, to remember his promise, to remember his salvation, and so forth. So he, I think the whole world has, like, is used to that idea, but I think what might be unique or specific to uh, having faith uh, that, that even, a, even an object can be blessed by God to even perform miracles, like beyond just like to comfort me or to give me remembrance, but it can also heal. Does that answer your question? Um, so with the, with the infant, because one of the most important points when it, comes to, when it comes to exorcism is to remove the old condition. So all of us, all humanity is born in a broken state, right? In, after the fall of Adam and Eve, whether we like it or not, we have taken on this, this, this condition that is, is broken. And so we say in the prayers, we say, strip them of their old condition and renew their life. And St. Augustine, he sums it up. He says, their purpose was to sanctify the catechumens by freeing them progressively from the dominion of evil and transferring them to God's dominion in preparation for becoming sons on the day of baptism. So it's to, free the, it's to free the infant, to free the adult from the dominion of evil and to transfer them to the dominion of God. So if we may say that even probably the first sacrament that people participate in as, as, uh, as apostolic believers is the exorcism. Yes, I, we're used to the idea of seven sacraments. It's more of like a, a Catholic tradition to kind of keep it at like that, the number seven, uh, maybe because it's seven, it's a holy number. But, there, but and we, we and even probably the Catholic Church would recognize that there are more than just the seven sacraments. Um, so even the sacrament is basically anything in which the Holy Spirit um, uh, participates in. And so we, of course, would say that, that the exorcism is a sacrament in the sense that the Holy Spirit is called upon in order to provide, uh, to offer a grace to the individual. So, <clears throat> just to kind of show how the church physically performs these exorcisms, it's not just the prayers, but an accumulation of things. Um, one, of course, is the invocation of the Holy Spirit uh, to participate in material substances. And we know this by the material, the material of bread and wine becoming the body and the blood, the material of oil uh, sanctifying, the, even the material of breathing, that the priest breathes on the individual, and that is the way in which the, whole, the Holy Spirit um, comes to dwell within the person. Of course, you'll notice that the cross is always used. Um, in the baptism prayers, we say, let them be crushed before the sign of your cross and your holy name. So uh, another thing is witnesses. And actually, it's very, because there's probably a lot more like official exorcisms that happen in the Catholic Church. And, and what's very important is that there must be witnesses, and those witnesses are to be there to pray with the priest. So even the people are part of the participation, which actually convinces us more that it is truly a sacrament, because even in the divine liturgy, a priest cannot pray the liturgy by himself. He must have a deacon and at least one congregation member. So the witness of the people is part of the work of the Holy Spirit 
um, in the sacraments. And of course, we said uh, that the act of breathing is what we read in the, in Saint, with St. Cyril, attributing to consuming the demon by the authority of the Holy Spirit. And of course, there's oil. Um, and we have uh, different types of oils that we use during the, during the baptism, initiation rites. And it's prayed to prior um, to anointing the individual. When it comes to the oil, we find in the, in the early church at least two types of oils that were used. Um, does anyone know what those oils are? What are, the, what are the oils that we use in, in initiation rites or in baptism? Myrun, okay. Oil of what? The oil of gladness or the oil of joy, or you might have heard of it as the Galileon oil. And then there's another one, the simple oil. The simple oil, I think the bookman said it. Um, so the Myrun oil is the sacramental oil. And that's the one administered by the priest because uh, as he would administer even the communion or the unction of the sick oil or anything like that. Um, and it becomes the branding of the individual specifically for Christ. Um, so the, that is, that's my rune oil because it's consecrated. So even if an altar is consecrated, uh, my rune oil is used. And the icons. Oh, oh, so if there's like a, a streaming icon, the streaming icon is not an oil that is, that is like something that, that the church has made. It's whatever, because you notice even different streaming icons have different scents. Um, so it's, it's an oil that, it's, a, it's mystery because we don't know where the origin of the oil is from. Oh, not in sacraments, but it can be used for blessing. Like if we go to people's homes or we do a blessing at the church, then we can use that oil as a blessing. We can use any oil for, for, for a blessing. Um, but the Myrun is specific for the sacraments. Um, <clears throat> what's interesting is that the oil of gladness or the oil of joy is also called what? Is also which oil? It's, it, it's called two things. It's the, the oil of gladness or the oil of joy and the exorcism oil. So that is the oil of exorcism. And so it, it's, you, you, you see the theology of, uh, of, of, this, um, of this sacrament because the oil of joy is the result of an exorcism. That's why it's called the oil of gladness because... It is one, uh, an oil that liberates one from the traces of evil. In the water, again, we use, and we, we use water in which we pray that the water become the water of the Jordan as Christ was baptized in. And um, the last thing required for an exorcism is renunciation from the individual. So you'll notice that if it's an adult or if it's the parent of an infant or if it's the sponsor, they will look towards the West and raise their hand and they will make a renunciation against Satan and all his dominion and all his evil works. And then we look towards the East and we raise our right hand again and we, and we have kind of a, a very uh, ancient version of the creed, 
in which we, in which we proclaim our faith in Christ and um, the, we believe in the resurrection of the flesh. So do we need exorcisms after baptism? And for what reasons? So aside from the rare cases, which maybe there is like a, a true possession um, of, uh, like a, of, of an evil spirit, but otherwise we use, we use the, the, the sacramental life becomes for us a constant exorcism. Because as I mentioned earlier, that, that we shouldn't be worried by partaking of the Eucharist because it is the body and the blood of Christ that defeats evil. And disease and illness is a result of, of sin. So sin cannot be transferred through the body and the blood of Christ. So we use the sacraments to also kill the spiritual uh, diseases uh, that we struggle with. We also have other sacraments like unction of the sick. Um, we have, and of course, confession. Confession is also considered an exorcism because when one confesses, they, uh, they, they liberate themselves of the, of, of the spiritual disease and the priest prays the absolution, wiping away all history of the, of the sin that, that the individual has committed. So that kind of gives us uh, an introduction to exorcism. Yes, folks. So the, the first question about, is it possession? So uh, it's not always possession. It can be a stronghold. Like, for example, if someone, suffer, someone suffers from, like, an addiction, like, that's considered, like, a, a stronghold. Um, it could be that people fall into something at a moment. That could have been uh, an evil spirit at a, in a moment of temptation, and then, you know, and as we kind of reviewed in the beginning, it can be an infirmity. It can be uh, being mute. It can be, I mean, it can be so many different, so many different things. So to know whether something belongs, is part of the, like an evil demon um, in which it's something that can be sort of cast out, so to speak, that's the practice of the sacraments. When it comes to full possession, I don't know. I don't know what, what criteria allows for Satan to possess a human in the sense that they can actually control their, their bodies. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you an example. Someone, someone told me before who struggles with uh, like an addiction, and this person has described to me, and they say, you know, I, 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 get, my, I get my check, my paycheck, I go and I cash it, and I go and I, I, like, I gamble it away, and then at the end, I'm like, they, 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 they break apart, and they're like, what just happened? The person is describing, he's saying, I don't, I see myself driving, 
the car to go to the casino, and I don't know why, and I can't stop myself. You know, and I think that a lot of, I think to a certain degree, many people suffer from that, like especially when it comes to addiction. I don't know if that's considered a stronghold or maybe even on the verge of some type of possession. Like if someone can describe it that way, in which they're doing this step by step, step one, two, three, and it's like that every week, and, and, I, and I see myself doing it, but I, I can't control myself. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Subtle. Mm. Yeah, I, so the, the only thing is that if we were to say because Christ in the death, in his death and resurrection, that like he bound, he bound Satan, it wouldn't be limited to just bodily possession. Like if, he, if, if, if the idea were that in his conquering of Satan, that Satan had no right to, to be involved or to possess anyone, then then we could say that we, could, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to have any evil spirit in us because the degree doesn't matter. It's the principle on can Satan dwell in someone or not. And at the end of the day, it has to come by the will of the, of the person. So, but what we do understand is that we, we can't say that, the, that the Satan or an evil demon can possess the soul. He can possess the body, but he can't possess the soul. Which, which is an indica indication for us that what allows one to, be, to, to reach a high degree of possession would be usually by their own will. Like I, many times people, and I've heard many stories about people who are in difficult situations in their life, and sometimes they entertain the idea of like wanting worldly, worldly things and having some level of devotion to Satan. And so I think that's what allows someone, the, the Satan, to become more and more involved in the life of that person controlling their body. Um, but, but in principle, Christ def, um, defeating Satan isn't that he wouldn't be involved, like he wouldn't influence humanity, but that humanity has now get, been restored to the right uh, to being heirs of the kingdom of heaven. So we have a right, by our, according to our will, that we be restored. Even 
you could almost say almost to the, even against the will of God because His will is for us to be saved. If I choose God and I reject evil, it's, it's my inheritance that He has given us but with a grace that we don't understand, right? But the, the, but the, the, the ability for Satan to be involved in our lives is just different degrees, but he can. He, has, this is, he is the prince of the world. But what people do to allow for such a, an extreme level of possession, I, I have no idea. But I, I imagine that there is some, some temptation to kind of allow Satan to, to help me in other ways to the point where I become trapped. I know it doesn't answer all the, your question all the way, but it's just because we, we wouldn't be able to say that, that by Christ binding Satan that it means he can't possess because, he, because we, we believe in levels of possession. What was what? Well, I, I imagine almost the, almost the same. I mean, even, even with Job, he couldn't possess the soul of, of Job, but he was able to destroy his life, you know? Um, so I, I think, and of course, we, all, we still sin. We still, we live in a world of sin. So I don't know if anything has necessarily changed in, in how Satan can interact in his, in his, as the prince of the world, but what has changed is, is our destination, is our destiny, that is basically God puts in our hands. He says, I didn't, I didn't change the world. Even Christ, when he prayed to the Father, he said, I don't ask you, Lord, to take the people away from the world. Because he's basically recognizing, like, the world is not necessarily the best place. But, um, but I don't ask you to, to take them out of the world, but I ask you to, uh, to protect them and to guide them with the grace of the Holy Spirit. So even Christ himself recognized that, that the world will continue to be uh, struggling in sin, and Satan still has reign over the world, but that the, hu the human soul is, is destined for heaven and not for damnation. And that's why he lifted, he lifted the souls that were in Hades to, to paradise. Mm -hmm. the, the act of going to Hades? So in the act of going to Hades, we, we even, when we speak about John the Baptist, we speak about him as being the forerunner uh, and the baptizer. But even, even the church doesn't limit his, his, uh, his prophesying to the earth, but also when he departed from the earth before Christ and he was in Hades. So, there was, so even we could say that he was evangelizing even to those who are in Hades. And so even in the scripture, we say that he took all, he took all the souls. Some say, some say that he took, he took, Christ took, the souls of the righteous, when it says in the scripture he took all the souls, it could have been that he took all the souls or whoever wanted to go. Uh, that, was, that was the, and basically we received the effects of that. Whatever Christ, whatever he did, 
He's basically extending to us so that when we depart, if we choose, then we will, we will be restored. We don't have to go to a, another, like, um, we don't have to go to like another waiting place in which the paradise isn't opened. Yes. How much we sin and the stronghold. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it become it can become a stronghold. So if I sin, if I if I fall into a sin or a variety of, of different sins, the way we, we have to be careful is that sometimes the variety of sins are still the same type of sin, right? So like, you know, um, you know, gambles and making bets on here and, you know, kind of taking, taking risks, like investment risks, things like that. If all those are happening around the same time, it's still the same sin. We shouldn't necessarily look at it to how many times am I going to the casino, for example, right? Uh, so that it can, it can, we can be deceived by Satan using the temptation in a variety of ways so that we don't, we don't recognize, the, we don't see it as a stronghold. So that's one thing. The other thing, too, is it can be a stronghold that the more times I participate in it, then the more satisfaction I get and the harder it is for me to find satisfaction in something else. And the less satisfaction I find in, in love towards my family, friends, and whatever, and my, my love and satisfaction increases in something else, then that's another indication that I'm struggling, I'm, I'm suffering from a stronghold. But if we're all living in a, a life of, a life of like repentance, which is a, a life of a, continue, a continuous life, right? We're partaking of the sacraments. We're partaking of the body and the blood of Christ. We, we practice confession. We receive absolutions, you know? Um, then even what we struggle with, like in the eyes of God, like he's, he's granting us grace. And without those sacraments, we would be in a much more difficult position. But, but certainly a stronghold can come by, by any of those means. Any other questions or add-ons or anything? Okay, let's stand up for prayer. Lord, make us worthy to pray. Thank you, our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Go in peace and the peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.